On today's show, with the World Alliances quickly disintegrating, the Victorian Football League faced a changing of the guards, of sorts. Melbourne, having missed the finals the year before, begin to dominate and their big scores ticked over week by week. Hawthorne managed to achieve a first, and Fitzroy began to show more glimpses of past glories. Several league coaches have been replaced and will find out their fates. Dick Reynolds takes on a new role at Essendon, and at Collingwood, Jock McHale does something for the last time. All that and a guest star coming up after the song. It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say all right, welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast. We are here to talk about the 1939 season. I'm my name's Tim. To the left, I've got Kazman. Hi, everyone. Over there, I've got Charlie. Hi, hi. And we have a special guest, Danny McGinley. Oh, hello. Yes, I'm here. Hey, welcome, um, welcome me. <laughs> Where did he come from? I go into host mode yeah. so often. <laughs> um, also, welcome to all those Melbourne supporters who have suddenly developed, uh, suddenly discovered our show. That's it. Jump I, on the bandwagon. I everyone. recommend going back to the 26 and uh, 1900 episodes. The rest of them don't bother with, but yeah, yeah. all boring. Yeah, and welcome. Twenty uh, GWS fans, uh, you're in for a long ride. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, shall we get to some history? Love to. 39. Interesting year. Interesting. Interesting year. Mm, all right. So, hit song I had year. for 1939 was one by someone called Judy Garland called oh. Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Oh, uh, beautiful. Topical, considering that uh, the movie's just come out. Renee Zellweger just won the Oscar for playing Judy. Oh, did she? Yeah. yeah. There you go. Kaz, any um, other hit okay. songs? Um, close to her heart, uh, this is An Apple for the Teacher by Bing Crosby. Oh, Sung by it. Bing Crosby. <laughs> love it. Classic crooner. Well, uh, let's start. Look, 39, obviously, big year. As Tim mentioned, the, the world is uh, coming uh, to a precipice again. But as we did last time, we are going to spend more time on that in a special episode. So I don't want to mm. focus too much on it in the events. So let's start with a high. On January 5th, Amelia Earhart was officially declared dead mm. after her disappearance. <laughs> Many still question that. Yes. Yes. Check the photo. Um, on the 13th of January, Black Friday, 71 people died across Victoria in one of Australia's worst ever bushfires at yeah. that time. Topical. Yeah. Topical. 71 dead, 700 homes lost. Yes. The series repeating. In, uh, on the 24th of January, there was an earthquake in Chile which killed 30,000 people and raised about 50,000 square miles or 130,000 square kilometres of wow. land. Whoa. Uh, on the 30th of January, Hitler gave a speech before the Reichstag calling for an export battle to increase German foreign exchange holdings. So Seems fine. This, this same speech also saw Hitler's prophecy where he warned that if Jewish financiers started a war against Germany, the result would be the annihilation of the Jewish race in Europe. And everyone thought, surely not. No, exactly. Uh, on the 10th of February, Pope Pius XI died of a heart attack in Rome. On March the 3rd, in Bombay, Mahatma Gandhi, Magandhi, <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi began a fast protesting British rule against India. British rule in India. 
On the 17th of March, Neville Chamberlain, the British Prime Minister, gave a speech in Birmingham stating that Britain would oppose any effort at world domination on the part of Germany. On the 3rd of April, um, Hitler ordered the German military to start planning for their invasion of, of Poland. On the 7th of April, Joseph Lyons, the Prime Minister of Australia, died in office from a heart attack at the age of 59. He was replaced very briefly by his deputy, Earl Page, until the leadership election was held to replace him. And a week later, or 11 days later, on April 18th, Robert Menzies was elected leader of the United Australia Party and consequently became the 12th Prime Minister of Australia. Mm, Pig Iron Bob. Defeating former Prime Minister Billy Hughes. However, he will not be sworn in until April 26th because Earl Page, the guy, the deputy, and the country party refused to serve underneath him at that time. Ooh. On the 1st of May, Batman made his first appearance in Detective Comics number 27. Love that. Cool. On the 2nd of May, the Major League Baseballer Lou Gehrig, the Iron Horse, as he was also known, ended his 2,130 consecutive games played streak after being no, diagnosed with what we now know as Gehrig's disease, amyotropic lateral sclerosis. So that record stood for 56 years. Till what, the early 90s? Cal Ripken Jr. Yeah, well, yeah, played 2,131 consecutive Jeez, games. That's a lot of games. 2,130 consecutive games. Well, they play, what, 140 a year? Yeah. In, in a regular season? ridiculous. Yeah. On 24th of June, the government of Siam changed its name to Thailand, ah. which means free land. Ah. Uh, on the 15th of August, MGM's classic musical film, The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland. <laughs> Singing Somewhere prem- Over the Rainbow. Premiered at Grumman's Chinese Theatre in Hollywood. On September the 1st, the opening shots of World War II and the invasion of Poland happened. At 4.45 Central European time, under cover of darkness, the German battleships entered, um, slipped their moorings and entered a wharf in Danzig Harbour and began firing on Polish military installations. Uh, On that day, Britain and France delivered their ultimatum to Germany. Norway, Finland, Sweden and Switzerland declared neutrality. US President Frank FDR Franklin D. Roosevelt stated that every effort would be made by his administration to stay out of the war. Mm-hmm. And Italy was advised by Germany that they did not expect to need their military support. Mm. On September the 3rd, officially, the United Kingdom, France, New Zealand, Australia and India declared war on Nazi Germany. Yeah. So, do you have a fun little, it's not footy history, but a fun history fact. Mm. Uh, September 3 was when the, the, the Commonwealth yep. declared war on Germany. Yep. So the first country to declare war on Germany was New Zealand due to time difference. Yeah. Ah, I love so that. So for two hours, it was just New Zealand versus first Germany. Germany. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and then the cavalry came in. Yeah. Australia saved the day, mate. Oh. Come on, dig up. <laughs> Uh, at the beginning of November, Rivette won the Melbourne Cup and the Caulfield Cup. On the 16th of November, Al Capone was released from Alcatraz due to deterioring, deteriorating health caused by syphilis. <laughs> Good times. On the 1st of December, Australia agreed to take 15,000 Jewish refugees f- fleeing Europe following the German occupation of Austria and Czechoslovakia. 
And something else that we weren't sure of a date on here, but I like this one. Enzo Ferrari founded the Otto Avio Construzioni, hmm. the company that became Ferrari in 1947. Cool. I've also got a few All tidbits I found. Not very nice ones, though. You've already mentioned the uh, Black Friday. Yes. Two other disasters in Australia, I guess, in the same year. Um, an ANA passenger plane crashed into the Dandenongs during fog, killing 14 mm. people. And in Sydney, a ferry capsized, spilling 120, 175 people into the water, of which 14 people drowned. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, not a, not a good year. No, terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Tim, a few people were born in 1939 oh, good. as good. well. Good to keep so, the population yeah, ticking absolutely. over. Absolutely. We've got to get it ticked. A uh, few, few great Australians this year. Mm-hmm. Mm. 29th of January, Jermaine Greer. The famous feminist. Yes. And Australian. Although I think she'd almost count herself as British these days. Uh, on the 2nd of April, Marvin Gaye, the singer. On the 7th of April, three people, three very important people. Brett Whiteley, the Australian artist. Yeah. Francis Ford Coppola, the director. And David Frost, the tel- English Frosty. television personality who did those the interview with da- uh, Richard Nixon and got him to Ah uh, he wasn't he wasn't Frost, a d- detective right. in a touch of frost No no not him not him <laughs> Okay On the 16th of April Dusty Springfield the pop singer oh, yeah. On the 25th of May Sir Ian McKellen On the 26th of July John Howard the Prime Minister of Australia former Prime Minister of Australia On the 5th of d- September George Lazenby yeah. James Bond. Bond Australian Bond Australian Bond oh. On the 7th of October, Clive James, the writer and social commentator who only died uh, mm. late last year. 8th of October, Paul Hogan, Hoax. Mm. On the 14th of October, Ralph Lauren, the fashion designer. Yeah. On October 18, Lee Harvey Oswald, the assassin. Yeah. <laughs> Patsy. <laughs> the, the guy. Yeah, the Patsy. Well, well, that's a whole other podcast, I think, Kaz. And on the 27th of October, John Cleese, hey. the comic actor. It's... I keep forgetting we're creeping closer and closer to now, so just more and more people are alive. Yeah, I know. You're like, oh yeah, that guy. I know him. So there we go. 39. Interesting year. Lots going on. Uh, But we will talk more about it in detail. Mm. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Well, let's get stuck into the 1939 season. Brilliant. Let's do it. Um, Very quickly before we do, just shout out to your brother, Charlie, at your wedding. He gave a bit of a speech that mentioned our podcast. He did, he did. Hi, hi, Will. Hope you haven't fallen asleep. <laughs> yes. <with this. laughs> um, we've got some good content for Melbourne supporters coming up. Um, also, greetings to downloaders we've had in Georgia, Romania, uh, Alex Barker in Japan, who got in contact with us, and a shout out yeah. to the Lao Elephants. Oh, yes. fantastic. Mm. Do they, look after them. Do they play against the Vietnam Swans? I think they do in oh, uh, intercontinental stuff. All oh, right. Oh, then I can support them in the local Lao Yes, league. yes. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> in the Asian <laughs> Cup yeah, and stuff. Once Uber plays for you, I've got to support yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, right. Before you start 1939, mm-hmm. uh, I have to point out that the dogs... Uh, season 1938 uh, you have to mention uh, 1939 you have to mention that in Christmas Eve 1938 uh, the Kevin McCarthy the club president died suddenly okay mm. and uh, the club was forced to find a replacement Bert Jamison was elected to replace one Feb 7 but oh very sh- very quick turnaround our, yeah. our, our, our spoiler alert bad year yeah after oh. such a high as well well we'll get to the doggies in a second sets it up nicely um, league news to start with um, so we've got some new rules this year. Yeah, or some couple. old rules that have come back. Finally. The holding the, ro- holding the ball rule is back. Um, so we talked about this, the VFA had it the previous season. Uh, if you drop the ball in the tackle, then 
You hold the ball. ball. Yeah, yeah. Try and get rid of it. Um, the boundaries throw in has been reinstated. So instead of giving away a free kick um, to the last against the last team's touch, throw in. Did yep. it, yeah, throw in. Uh, which meant the high scoring was going to slow down because the league at this stage, Danny, were worried about the high scores. Were they? It was yeah. too high too scoring. Many high too many scores. goals. Yeah. Too many goals. Wow. Yeah, I was saying, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a real problem. It was yeah, a real issue. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the players were too handsome. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> too affordable. <laughs> Although having yeah. said that, round two... Uh, this huge score contributed to the highest scoring round in VFL history. And oh, I was yeah. gonna, and also on top of that, ninety-one matches, uh, or ninety-one scores of more than a hundred points yeah. this year. So that this was the record until nineteen sixty-nine. There you go. Oh, wow. Two high scores, too many goals. Yeah. That's disgusting. Uh, oh. Yeah, total that is not football. A cumulative score in round two was one thousand three hundred seventy-seven points, with only three teams failing to kick over a hundred in that round. Wow. Aggregate score is 200 goals, 177 behinds, which was they say was the result of the new dropping the ball rule, which forced players to dispose properly of the ball when tackled. Yeah, which getting meant, the game moving yeah, quickly, yeah, moving think, faster. Yeah, yeah, look, I you know from what I've read about this, that rule change was a direct attack on the Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> it was so we had to bring in the uh, the what they called the the Footscray flick pass. Oh yes, oh, which was. Hand, Handball, the flick, yeah. And the rule, I believe, was scrapped after round seven. Okay, you going to get? I hadn't heard about that. No, yeah, that's according Mm. to my sources. Now, my when it looks like I'm reading this for only like the second or third time, it's because I have had assistance on this (laughs) by uh, uh, I'm sure he's I'm sure he listens to this show, Andrew Gigach, who is a a historian at at Footscray Ah. Footscray Football Club, Uh, legend of a bloke. Follow him on Twitter because he has a very a very weird brain and yeah. uh, number plates like yeah sees acronyms <laughs> in number plates all the time oh really and can do yeah. anagrams of any I've texted him when I'm stuck on a crossword <laughs> and he's happy to just respond straight away with yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's you know, Democratic yeah. Republic of Congo oh yeah. thanks yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a radio competition organised this year by 3LO with players involved in a knowledge bee broadcast every Monday night. Are you smarter than a footballer? This was won by a group of players captained by ex-Melbourne high champion Frank Sambalib who led Hawthorne to the the Knowledge B Premiership. Oh, well, at least they could win something. Mm. The Knowledge B Premiership. Yeah, okay. every Monday night. Uh, and the final bit of news, league news, was uh, the final round had to be postponed yes. because of rain. Heavy, heavy, heavy rain. In every game. Um, all right, so let's go through the teams, bottom to top. Kazman, you're going to... Okay, so we've got teams. South Melbourne in 12th place, um, winning three games, losing 15, uh, percentage 70, 70.8. Oh. Yeah, not, not good. They're staying down there for a little while. They are, yeah. The Foreign Legion. Yeah. See you what? They're no good anymore. Yeah. This is when they started being called the Swans? Cause yeah, they yeah, yeah a, few years, a few years earlier they'd yep. started, yeah. But uh, yeah, all those all those guys had flown away by this stage. Oh, yeah, that's why the they're group. not looking good anymore. Fly and fly out. Oh, yeah, Brad, yeah, sorry. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bob, Bob Pratt's still there. Bob Pratt yeah. still is there and led their goal kicking this year with 72. Um, they were captain coached by Herbie Matthews mm. this year. Who replaced Roy Kazali as coach. Yes. Oh. So Roy Kazali was demoted to coach the seconds because he oh. still had a year left on his contract. Down there, Kazali. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he'd been threatening to do this for quite a while, but he played again at the age of, I think he was about 40 or something at this stage, yeah. um, playing alongside his son in the seconds. Oh, um, yeah, I love nice. that. Yeah. Um, I did that at Auskick until <laughs> <laughs> I was asked to leave. That's it. <laughs> New recruits included um, Pat McNamara from and Lou Rifle, both from Melbourne. Idiots. 
No, <laughs> uh, Bob Pratt was looking better in the preseason, although a trifle overweight. He was starting taking overhead marks and kicking for goal with his old judgment. It seemed like his uh, his old panache was back. Ah. Their first win didn't come until round five, however, which was a three-goal win over the Bulldogs at Lake Oval. Too soon, man. Yeah. <laughs> Not cool. Round seven was a return of the solidly built forward George Collard, who had missed six weeks because he lost the top of his thumb in a workplace accident. Oh, really? Mm. There's a few of those. There's a few mm. fingers and thumbs yeah. missing uh-huh. around. Yeah. They also lost that game. In round eight, the Swans easily accounted for Essendon with a scoring... Uh, the Sporting Globe saying the Swans' form was sparkling and South were never in real danger and ran out comfortable 21-point winners. Their win was convincing and resulted from better half-forward work with Pratt kicking six, always prominent, and solid defence and lots of high marking. Uh, Their final win was in round nine with a 22-point win over Hawthorne. It would be their last win of the season, uh, losing their remaining eight games. It's a a long finish to a season, isn't it? Yeah. Just coming downhill. Not pretty. Yeah, actually, last nine they games they lost. Premiers six years earlier. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and well, they, they made the grand final in thirty-five and thirty-six. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They made a couple more, but mm. just couldn't get the job done. Mm. Premiership uh, runners-up hangover. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he'll get you. He'll get you. Moving on, Kazman. Um, and in eleventh place, we've got Footscray, Danny. Yes. Four wins, 14 losses, 82.6%. After the high of finals in 38. Yeah, our first ever final. And uh, I've just got my book of, uh, of VFL finals here. And I just get a bit triggered looking at... I know you did this in the last episode, the 1938. We lost to Collingwood, but we had... Uh, if you look at halftime, they've scored nine goals, one. We've scored six goals, 11. Any Dogs fan will know, in finals, we never kick straight. Yeah. And this is just, The only final we ever kick straight was the grand final. So, yeah. 2016. So yeah, we had a bad uh, uh, we had a bad season there. I'll, I'll, I'll let you again. tell your story, and I'll I'll, I'll yeah. tell you what I've got after that. Please. Okay. Well. Um, so, so well, um, I had, uh, they were coached by Joe Kelly, captained by Roy Evans, and their lead goal kicker was Charlie Page with thirty one. And I got a good debutante for you, Tom Tribe. Some good uh, oh, alliteration. Hundred one games, reliable defender through until nineteen forty six. According excellent. to my research, not like Gigatches. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Um, my favourite story from Footscray this year, and you might have heard of this guy, great nickname as well, uh, Robert Bluestone Flanagan. Ooh. He oh. started in 36, but the story didn't pop up until th- I saw it this year. So Footscray had a policy not for, for any, everyone not to wear the number 13 before this because it was oh, considered unlucky. unlucky. Mm. But Bluestone loved it. He wanted number 13. So they pulled it out, he put it on, Anyway, um, until they got rid of him in 1940, he had a is fractured that, is, skull, a broken jaw, <laughs> a broken wrist, had to have knee cartilage removed, and after he was uh, discarded by Footscray, they said uh, they got tired of paying for everything but his burial. Wow. So how's that? And I, I thought you were going to say, and as he left Footscray, an anvil fell on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, you know, it's uh, un- considered unlucky now because it means you wear the same number as Alan Jakovic yeah, when he played man, half yeah. that season at the Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Oh. We are uh, sweet. Well, I, yes, do you know about uh, the incident with Ambrose Palmer? Yes, no. but tell us. Well, no, Ambrose please. Palmer was uh, was a professional boxer as well as a footy player. Yeah. Uh, he was knocked out in a quote unquote accidental oh, yeah. collision with Essendon's Stan Wilson, broke his jaw in three places, mm. and fractured his skull. Uh, he was turned away from four hospitals before getting treatment at a fifth private hospital you're kidding yeah turned away 
Now, you could say it's because uh, they misdiagnosed him and thought it wasn't that serious or they didn't want to treat a famous footballer and be possibly sued by the footy club or this could be the anti-Bulldogs agenda yeah, That's yeah. Right. again it goes deep it, it <laughs> goes always has. very very deep <laughs> in here do you know that the uh, the Footscray City Council that which was fully infiltrated by Freemasons Essendon fans wouldn't allow pre-season matches on Witten Oval Western Oval it was called then they played baseball games there it goes deep here yeah. people it goes deep <laughs> I and he it, he wouldn't play again the whole season. Uh, probably not. Although no, we, he didn't. We uh, oh, just I, I just <laughs> oh, sorry, believe I'm, he might come back. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> well, he, he does play again, but not in this season. Not in this season. Yeah. Jeez, he's tough. He's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, best and fairest was Harry Hickey. Leading goal kicker was Charlie Page with thirty-one too high. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, do you know this? Uh, according to footyjumpers.com, was the year we reverted back to the traditional jumper that had a gap between the hoops. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, was there not? A, has there not been a gap between them? No. Okay. Oh, hey, there no we go. As, as an ever no so gap. slight change. Uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, what else do we get? Uh, good, good old tricolors. Through, in round 11 we <laughs> Gigach has this real fun for people who only play one game uh, uh, round 11 we debuted three new players Jack Malone John Flint Charlie Merton Merton was dropped after one game Flint dropped the next week after two games Merton dropped a week later after, after three, three games none of them ever played <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in the same match Wally Glenister Glen, yeah, right. uh, has been selected for the first game of 1939 having played two in 1937 five in 38 but was a late withdrawal because he was bitten on the abdomen by a dog he never played again mm. your move to gully <laughs> <laughs> in that so that was his first game back from having his appendix out as well oh really yeah so the dog was just uh, yeah. checking the stitches <laughs> and oh, also in that game um jack ryan received stitches to his tongue at yes. halftime and kept playing oh. uh and glenister's replacement jim greenham had stitches in his split eye and he was replaced at three-quarter time not good tough yeah, yeah, but they're scoring too many goals. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Imagine putting stitches on a tongue. Do they even do that now? Do they? Just... I don't know how they do it. It's... No, it just heals and itself. Then, surely. Yeah, exactly. You're such a dad. Sort it out. Very fun. <laughs> so doggies didn't get their first win till was it round twelve? Boy, the Freemasons were happy. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Collins debuted. Uh, oh, played ninety nine games. Brother of Premiership player Jack Collins. And a very good in his own right. One of the best and fairest in leading goal kicker in 43. Uh, and a guy called Marty McDonnell, McDonnell might be pronounced, <laughs> played 92 games, a great defender, played eight times for Victoria and would have played many more games if not for World War II. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So even looming. Hitler was trying to screw the yeah, dogs. Yeah, 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 it. it goes deep. Well, this needs to be a thing in our show regularly, the Bulldogs agenda. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do like, like the Bulldogs agenda. The Freemasons are against us. Well, supporters, round twelve, you beat us in the, by a point in your first win for the year at Windy Hill. Yeah, yeah. So which is weird. We weren't happy, and you're still paying for it. No. <laughs> yeah. That's right. We because you guys were the Freemasons. That's yes. why you have the sash. Mm. Uh, and you know, and and some questionable recruiting uh, <laughs> guidelines, but uh, so yeah, we beat you at one point, and then yeah, yeah we're still yeah. suffering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's only four wins for the season. They, they had two in a row, round twelve and thirteen. And then oh, I remember that the, tr- the train, the floodgates were opening, <laughs> <laughs> and then two of the last three, and that was kind of it. Yeah. A bit south. Did, we, did we beat Hawthorne that year? You finished off by trouncing them by 40 points in the last round. It's not that bad then. Yeah, that's Season okay. It's not, right. not a, not a, not a You loss. do that. That's just a good membership yeah. boost for, for 1940. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hawthorne were in 10th place, one above, one above uh, Footscray. So five wins, twelve, uh, one draw, 12 losses, and 86.1% 
Yes. So they didn't deserve to be there. No. So captain coached by Len Thompson and their lead goal kicker was Alec Alberston with 37. It's just... An, there's not much to say about Hawthorne uh, at this stage. Is there? No, oh. I mean, Len, Len Thomas was their coach, I think you mean. What did I say? Len Thompson. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. But um, Len Thompson's middle name is Thomas. So uh, yeah, that's, that's... Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> one good thing for Hawthorne this year is they finally beat Carlton. They did. Ah, the first. first time since they joined. Um, so... We'll get to that in a second. So, in 38, Ivan McAlpine had been their yes. non-playing coach. He'd been there for a few years. At the end of 38, they asked for applications for coach. 14 potentials applied. Ivan McAlpine was not one of them. He didn't apply for his own job. No. Well, he had been coaching Hawthorne. Mm. I'm not yet. <laughs> um, several, old na- several names who uh, applied included Mickey Crisp of Carlton and Len Thomas of South. The odds favoured Crisp to get the job. However, Len Thomas was given clearance in early Feb and took command as captain coach. Good on him. Um, they also had a new song this year, and guess what, guys? I managed to get hold of it. Oh, Stop it. Wow. Uh, let's have a quick listen. Come on, Hawthorne, you beaut May blooms. You look smart in brown and gold. Len is here to help you trick them. Wear them down and keep in hold See you listen to your coach He will build a great machine Every cog and each part fitting Winning crowd drawing a team That was awesome. Wasn't it? Nice little, <laughs> nice little ditty. Yeah. I almost forgot it was about Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to remember they're called the Maybloom's as well. Yeah, It's yeah, a very yeah. threatening... Well, do you... Uh, uh, sorry if you, this is in the song. Do you know why they were called the Maybloom's? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, well, hang on. Well, there's what, a few different there theories, a, though. What, what do you... What, oh, yeah. well, I learnt this from the Hawthorne From Peter Habey? Historian. Yeah, he told us as well. Uh, the, the old guy? Peter Habey. Yeah. Who runs the yes. shop? Yeah. The yeah. Museum. A musician. Yeah, he is. Is he a musician? Yes. yes. Oh, loves his keen music. Loves his banjo. He, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, it was always because by Hawthorne were always rubbish. The team would, the seniors would <laughs> they may be, bloom. get dropped, and it yeah. was the reserves who yeah. made bloom into something yeah. good. Yes. Which they didn't. So. Yeah. God, it was good times back oh, then. Yeah, wasn't I know. It? Yeah. Everything was so poetic. Um, their first win was round two. They opened their account with a 38 point win over North. Um, then they made it two in a row with a demolition of Geelong by 50 points. Albie Naif-Smith kicking six. Uh, On Al- the Easter Monday tradition. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Davidson and Alec, Alec Alberston kicking four each. They could have made it four in a row, uh, three in a row, but they were held to a draw by a desperate Fitzroy at Brunswick Street Oval. Now, round five was that big game you talked about. They finally beat Carlton. In attendance that day was Robert Menzies. Of course. Ah. Av- avid Carlton supporter who visited both rooms pre-game. Um, and obviously that was a bit of a curse because they beat Carlton by three points. His team lost. Uh, Maybloom's kicked five goals, one to three goals, seven in the second quarter. Blues muffed their chances and they held on to win uh, their first win over Carlton in 15 years in so the league. Menzies was a big Carlton supporter. Yeah, massive. He? he used so, to drive up. He, he had a spot for his he, car. There was a spot oh, for his, uh, his, his Bentley. Yep. To, so he didn't have to get out and talk to, to poor people. <laughs> <laughs> he was watched from his car. Oh, I love that because he would have been sitting there being like, 
look, I'm not going to be, I'm, I'm Prime Minister now, I'm not going to be able to get to many games. Let's pick one that we're definitely going to win. Yeah. <laughs> We've beaten Hawthorne 25 times on the trot. That's the one I'll come to. Yeah. And then, it rolls bang. in. It was, uh, when did Menzies die? Do you guys know? No. Uh, Seven years? I'm not sure. So I got told by an old, uh, one of the old uh, legends at uh, Footscray that when Menzies died, we played them, played them the next week and they want, they, it was a big thing at that time. 78. Of 78. Keep uranium in the ground. And uh, when Menzies died, they wanted to put on the banner, keep Menzies in the ground. <laughs> but it was told not. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Um, following a two-point win over the Bulldogs in round seven, the Maybloom's then lost seven in a row, with their only other win for the season coming in round 15, which is a one-point win over Fitzroy. Despite their inaccuracy, they kicked 10 goals 20. Jesus. And they've lost their final three games. No good. No good. Including one of the dogs. <laughs> yes. Uh, next in ninth place is North Melbourne oh, with no. six wins and 12 losses, 91.3%. Was there was there call that these expansion clubs were just too far? <laughs> <laughs> why, are we, why are we putting resources into these non-football yeah, areas? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not right. It's so yeah. true. They're both of them. Um, uh, so captain coach by Keith Forbes this year their lead goal kicker was Sel Murray mm, with 78 absolute highlight for the year yeah and um, they mm. what was I saying oh yeah again another one um, out of the books North Melbourne beat Geelong late in the season to kill a massive streak that it had been 23 consecutive wins it by had. Geelong at this stage yep. um, so obviously Sel Murray was the highlight he kicked Eight goals in round eight. And then in round 10, he kicked nine goals. Uh, 78 for the season, goals in every single game. Love it. Um, some of their highlights, round 13, although they had a one-goal loss to Carlton, Mr. Jay Adams of the North Committee stated his intention to complain to the VFL about umpire Blackburn and request that he never be in charge of North Melbourne games again. Oh, really? Hmm. I they? wonder what happened. Well, didn't that... That happened in the Richmond, VFA, the, that happened. Yeah, yeah, the 1908 I think it was the other way final. around. I think Richmond complained and... Oh, and so North got it. Yeah. Uh, Tigers always Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, round 16, in a loss to Richmond at Arden Street, the crowd rushed the ground post-match. Umpire Lancaster was assaulted by a spectator and suffered facial injuries. He complained to the league, but the league downplayed the crowd issues and said that it wasn't that bad, pointing to Richmond player Skinny Titus, who was out there signing autographs. Yeah. There we go. Um, North Melbourne officials asked the ground management to provide more security and it was kind of brushed off again. And we know there's been huge issues at North Melbourne. Yeah. Did the dogs. media at the time blame Melbourne victory supporters? <laughs> <laughs> Too many flares. Um, in round 18, as you said, for the first time since round 1, 1927, North's very first game in the league, they beat Geelong again. What? No, they they had 1925. So 20, yeah. 1925 round 1 yep. was their first time they'd ever played a game. They beat Geelong in that first game. And they hadn't, yeah, hadn't beat them since. Wow. Uh, they started by kicking 7 goals 5 in the first quarter and Geelong just couldn't catch up. Is this... Do you know the longest streak of winning? I don't. I uh, just, not uh, this, not off the top of my head. Yeah, this is where I, I just tweet Swamp. Yeah. So Swamp. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the longest um, streak ever? Yeah. I'm going to assume Melbourne is on the wrong end of it. No, no I'd be no, so like Carlton and St Kilda, yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, St Kilda yeah. didn't win their first 51 games. University was... Oh, University might be. Long they were 53. Year, but yeah. they weren't in the league no. long enough to have a long enough streak, mm, I don't know. No, 53 so. games in a row is probably the longest streak in terms of... Oh, yeah, against a... Yeah. No, but I'm talking one team. One, one club. Here we go. Yeah. I think I've got it here. I think it's 29 by Collingwood over Hawthorne, 1925 to 1941. Oh, there, there we go. go. Yeah, there you go. I've got Look at you, Sir Swamp. Yeah. Well <laughs> <laughs> Swampy Junior. 
Love it. Let's move on. I'm moving away from the expansion clubs. Like every, I can hear everyone shouting, "We needed a Tasmanian team." We don't want. <laughs> it's still relevant. You can have North Melbourne. We <laughs> don't want that one. <laughs> so uh, Fitzroy. So the old guard here. It's the Gorillas. Place. That's right. Six wins, one draw, eleven losses, eighty-nine point two percent. Are they the Gorillas at this point? They yes, are, they have just right. become the Gorillas. Yeah. It caught me out with that last week. <laughs> yeah. I think I might have Love said Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> the Brisbane Gorillas. So um, Close. Coached by Gordon Rattray, uh, captained by Frank uh, Curcio or Curcio. Curico. Oh, I'm just switching One out all my vowels. This is yeah. what I'm doing here. And their uh, lead goal kicker was Clem Denning with 37 this year. Mm. Mm. Not a lot. So some recruits included Keith Stackpole, who came over from Collingwood, uh, and a talented forward named Claude Curtin, Kaz. Claude Curtin, yes, a centre forward. Um, now... You're thinking, yes, is he related to the John Curtin, the Prime Minister? And you'd be tr- that'd be right. Because, I was thinking that. There um, he is. It, I was it thinking was, he sounded like one of the Raggy Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> Claude Curtin, I'm done with you. Hide I'm closed him. now. <laughs> that's, that's, we've like, okay, you guys are just in the window where a Raggy Dolls reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Now we had Radar, I think it was. Uh, I, and the theme fi. song. Back Hi-Fi, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Back yeah. to Yeah, yeah. Classic. <laughs> and I saw you, on your website, you've got Danger Mouse. Uh, logo there so I that's do, right yeah, in there too yeah. um, <laughs> excuse me oh, we'll edit that out um, so yes nephew of John Curtin and um, so the the relevance of that is that uh, Jack Dyer actually got picked on by the Prime Minister um, at yeah. the t- uh, for a bit running through his nephew so the next oh, game really? um, yeah Jack Dyer ran through him one more time yeah <laughs> that's not surprising is it and um, so Claude Curtin sent, did you say centre forward seemed yeah yeah yeah. lovely there you go. nice their first win came in round three not much of a segue there sorry about that uh, they beat South Melbourne in round three with Houston and Denning both kicking three each round eight um, so, so following this game they had a 47 point loss to Geelong Fitzroy captain Frank Curico paid tribute to the umpire, umpire Alan Coward, as the game had been played in such good spirits from the first bounce and he'd given a good exhibition of himself. Alan Coward. Alan Coward. Umpire Alan Coward. Coward. I mean, yeah. perfect. Jesus, the people in the 30s had it so easy, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> we have to come up with so many nicknames. Yeah. They've got to make sure they're not sexist. Yeah. 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 Oh. That's true. Round 10 against Richmond at Brunswick Street Oval. <laughs> Fitzroy played almost flawless football in which all phases of the code were judiciously blended. Fitzroy, during the second quarter of the match... What? How's that? What is that? Is this in this the is, This is from the Argus. I yeah, think. yeah, I love yeah. it. All phases of the code. <laughs> during the second quarter of the match, uh, that was over-umpired. Uh, Fitzroy built up a commanding lead and despite a belated Richmond rally in the third term, they were never seriously threatened and scored a comfortable 46-point victory. Uh, in July, Fitzroy trounced the Doggies in an exhibition match played in Bendigo, with uh, money raised going to the Bendigo League, which had been experiencing some hardship. And that's why we play our home games in Ballarat now. <laughs> Screw you, Bendigo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then finally, in round 14 against South Melbourne at Lakeside Oval, a dazzling third-term burst produced five goals won in six minutes of play, which effectively ended any hope uh, South had of winning. But this game would also be Dinny Ryan's uh, last game he had a serious inju- knee injury and would never play VFL football again at the age of 23 unbelievable yeah Fitzroy won that by 46 okay so Geelong in 7th place with 7 wins 11 losses 92.4% yes so the Black Cats captain coach again by Reg Hickey their lead goal kicker was Norm Glenister with 36 they had a hu- huge spate of um, 
players they lost this year. So they lost um, Abbott, Coles, Collins, Evans, and Hardiman. Um, and they brought in a couple of guys, George Neal and Jim Knight, were the only ones who would you would consider a star recruit. So I reckon yeah. they've done pretty well to sort of finish wow. mid-table. They were, they were in the prelim the year before. Oh, they won this the play the year before that as yeah. well. There we go. Yeah, mm. that's... I'm just. I think you're being a bit too nice on the. Cats. Maybe I am. Maybe <laughs> were they the cats of this age? Or were they still black the seagulls? They were the black cats. No, they weren't the. You know, no, 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 not the seagulls, seagulls or, the, or the pivots. The pivot, pivotonian. Pivotonian. Yeah, the pivotonians. Yeah. What, what was that about? Um, Geelong was the pivotal point of trade with oh. Victoria. No, it wasn't. <laughs> 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 Makes no sense at all. Uh, and just like my club, the Western Growth Corridor. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was called when we were kids. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so TB Hawks became the new president of Geelong at the start of this season oh, Geelong president called Hawks <laughs> nice uh, it reminds me of one, of one of your banners the only good hawk it was, was called about Dougie. Doug- yeah it was called Dougie yeah, yeah. that was fun um, <laughs> round one Alan Marsham made his debut who was son of former champion Harry Marsham oh yeah uh, in this loss to Collingwood Marsham received, this, received a swelling and burst, bruising to the eye and by the time he got back to Geelong it was completely black he couldn't remember the name of the Collingwood player who gave it to him Oh, so he says. So he says. It's probably, it's probably one of the Collier brothers, I reckon. Possibly. <laughs> Round two, they had an exciting win over reigning Premier Carlton at Cario Oval. In this game, Jeff Mahn hurt his right ankle, and because of the swelling, he couldn't take his boot off, so he missed the rest of the game. It was also the uh, the opening of a new media yeah. stand in the ground at Cario Oval, which I mean, was the a media bit of a, stand in uh, 1939. So yeah, had telegrams. Mm-hmm. Oh. They mm. must have. Yeah, the um, radio, the light, yeah. They, were they journalists? broadcasting it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, People just writing poems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've written an etching. It's just beating it. But when you around. look at what happens, in, <laughs> you look at what happens in the next few years, and this is a complete waste of money because there's two seasons left at this ground. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, round eight was a demolition of Fitzroy with nine different goal kickers and four goals from Norm Glenister, Clyde Helmer, and Joe Tucker. Uh, round 10 this is a good little story I've got for you. Um, prior to the start of the match against South Melbourne, a coin was tossed. As soon as it landed, the small boy, who was a South Melbourne mascot, grabbed the coin and ran off. <laughs> ah, you little uh, scamp. With neither playing knowing the result. Another coin was procured and Hickey, Reg Hickey, won the toss and ultimately they won the game by 55 points. This was also Reg Hickey's 233rd league game for the team, a new game's record. Ah, there you go. Isn't um, there a famous like uh, it was just recently definitely this century where the umpire did the toss and as the coin was in the air one of the captains just pointed and ran off yeah who was that, oh, was that? cheeky oh, probably Carey <laughs> probably Wayne Carey it could be uh, round 17 as St Kilda bested the Black Cats by 25 points at Cryo Oval Reg Hickey broke Teddy Rankin's uh, games record for Geelong in his 241st game. Now you might say I'm wrong that Jocker Todd is the games record holder with yeah. 232. I God. thought you were going to say that, Danny. Uh, but Teddy Rankin's record dates back to 1891, the VFA days. Ah. So it's just interesting to ah. know that the club actually acknowledges the VFA days as well as the VFL yeah. here and its games record across the that. leagues. I like that. Yeah, I think that should be because hey, then the give, dogs get 10 premierships. Hey, Bombers get three more as well. All right. Do the Ds get any more? No. Surely. No. Give really? us some more. Come on. Really? 1900 was their first. No, that's you right. never, yeah. But you were the first no. club. No, no right. Oh. <laughs> and I know the answer. I just want to hear it. Did GWS get any more? Um, <laughs> no. They oh, tried, zero. They tried to steal some of the Bulldogs VFA <laughs> players. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on. Move Essendon, on. Tim, in sixth place, eight wins, ten losses, 97 
100%. Might I say, moving on up, that's uh, that's one place better than, than 38. Yeah, yeah there. well done. We're getting yeah, there. We're getting there. We are getting there. What, um, were you, what were you guys called at this stage? Were you, we're, were the you dons, we're the, the same old or the dons. Same old. Same same old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're kind of like the dons this. at this stage. Same old is like early 1900s. Yeah. Now, I've heard you yell this out in the crowd as well. I was waiting for somebody to go, yeah, the same old. Come on, same old. But there was nothing, yeah. Tim. Oh, nothing. Uh, comedian Damien Callanan always calls them the same old. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, cool. You should get him on. He'd, he'd love this. Yeah. Oh, um, awesome. Will. So, co- these guys are coached by Jack Baggett this, this season or for half of the season. Mm, we'll get into that. Um, and captained by Dick Reynolds. Yes. Of course. Great man. Big Dick. Um, lead goals was Tom Reynolds with 71. Dick's bro. Brother Tom. Um, yeah. New stand was open at Windy Hill this year as well. I think the last of the old stadiums to be redeveloped. Not sure if that's 100% true. Uh, new Run recruits included Ernie Coward from WA and Wally Buttsworth, also right. from WA. I mean, like... What's what? a Buttsworth? <laughs> <laughs> about, about three farthings? Wally! <laughs> 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 oh, I'd love to be on. What, what podcasts were on back then? <laughs> so, um, uh, Butsworth um, actually broke his arm in the first game. It says against mm. Footscray. Yeah, uh, good. He had it coming. Yeah. <laughs> Freemason. Can't do your handshake if you've got a broken <laughs> arm. It's all right. We got rid of Ambrose Palmer. <laughs> now, um, it says here that he actually, lo- might have broken his hand punching Ambrose Possibly. Palmer. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> Knocked out the boxer. <laughs> um, I don't know if he did any punching while he was coaching Leeton. Now, what, what's that? Leeton. Leeton. Can you help me with this? Leeton's in southern New South Wales. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, became Essendon committee man. And, uh, yeah, and um, plays on a little bit cool. for Essendon. Great. So as you said, Dick Reynolds was elevated to captain with Len Webster's retirement the previous season. Um, round one, as I don't know, so no, we didn't mention, an exciting five-point win over the Doggies in that game where uh, Ambrose Palmer was, uh, was knocked yeah, out and Lloyd Butsworth That little twinge in his voice when he... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> round, well, look, I've got to battle back, yeah, especially yeah, in the on. next three episodes. I really Just, just enjoy your moment. <laughs> uh, round four, Dick Reynolds played his 100th game. Despite being injured early in the game, he still managed to kick four game, four goals and a loss. Um, absolute champion. But the media were calling for Essendon to really ease the burden on him, to, to you know, share the load. Yeah, with who? Wally <laughs> <laughs> Buttsworth, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Um, Broken Buttsworth. Now, round what six, Essendon's committee were so shocked that the Dons had lost by 13 points to North Melbourne that they asked coach Jack Baggett to work the team harder. Well, um, 13 points, too high. Too yeah. many goals. In, in sense to this, Baggett quit on the spot, saying, I feel that the secretary and a small section of the committee have overstepped their authority by advising me to give the players more intensive training. Um, there was still some kind of chance that he might return, um, but the committee had to apologise to him. These, it's a thing of principles, these people. They- I'm guessing, was it Baggett? Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing Baggett was at the ground with earmuffs <laughs> if he couldn't even take that sort of criticism yeah, yeah, well, yeah exactly well we've yeah. seen this thing happen a few times it happened with Coventry as well yeah yeah they didn't like it no um, so round 7 Dick Reynolds and Harry Hunter oversaw training that week and it was up to Reynolds to coach the team against Carlton on, uh, on the, in that round it was a really tight match Essendon kept pace with the reigning premiers and in the third quarter Dick Reynolds moved a few pieces around in the, in, on the board including putting his brother into the ruck um, ultimately, Carlton won the game by one goal, but the fact that Reynolds still had a smile after the game and uh, had all these tactical moves, um, the committee decided they'd hand over responsibility of captain coaching to him. So he's taken over as captain at the start of the year and yeah. now he's coach in the middle of the year. Yeah, because oh, he showed like he could handle parts. it. Isn't it, isn't um, it? President by the start <laughs> of 40. <laughs> also, 
Also during this time, um, Jack Baggett, who had stepped out, he went to watch the Melbourne Fitzroy game because his brother was playing. I think he played for Melbourne. Yes, he did. Um, so he wasn't even there to watch Essendon, so the committee were done with him. Uh, and Dick Reynolds was in. There we go. Yep. Um, so during the week, it was announced that Reynolds would share the coaching role with Hunter to kind of ease him into it for the rest of the 39 season. However, there's another theory to this, and that is that Essendon kind of shoved Baggett out so mm-hmm. that Reynolds could become coach and to really tie him to the club for the future because uh, they didn't yep. want other clubs to, to coach him. Because like, South Australia had been trying to so a few times. Had they? Baggett, what had Baggett done to annoy the Freemasons? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Had, he, had he looked at a Catholic church and not spat? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, round eight, so their first game officially in charge was actually a loss to South Melbourne, a shock loss. Uh, again, people calling for Reynolds to help have help because he was just doing too much. Round nine, Dick was then away at Victoria for, for Victorian duties. Mm-hmm. So Tom Reynolds stepped up, kicking uh-huh. 10 goals against Hawthorne. Whoa. Um, of course. He had a chance of breaking 10 Freya's 12-goal record for the club, but he was held goalless in the last quarter. So 10 goals in three 10 quarters. 10 goals in three quarters, not good. bad. Yeah. 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 Sick of playing second fiddle. Round, Too many goals. <laughs> now round, Too many goals. Round 13, definitely the highlight of the year. Um, Essendon astounded the Demons with highlight their willingness yeah. to play on through handball, and they beat the hapless Demons by 17 points. We threw oh. that game. Hapless. Hapless. Oh. Um, and finally, round 17, as Essendon beat North by 40 points, uh, organised fights broke out at the uh, towards the end of the game. A massive brawl between some local youths of the area. Organised uh, fights. So organised fights. They've said, let's go to the game. We're going to fight there at the game after the game. So like the English hooligans. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Which North Melbourne were renowned for back in the day. Oh. The Arden Street Elite. Yeah. yeah. Is that what they were called? <laughs> no, no. Oh, it would have been good. Yes. Um, <laughs> so pl- they, like, they had um, police, a big police presence following these gangs around trying to settle things down after the game. So in that, this, That's actually good, though. It's a gang of youths starting a fight at Arden Street. You're right near the children's hospital. They've <laughs> <laughs> really thought about that. Uh, in this game, Tom Reynolds kicked five. Uh, and he managed to break Essendon's single-season goal-kicking record, which was held by Greg Stockdale. Uh, Tom Reynolds kicking 71 for the season, and that wouldn't be broken until a man named uh, John Coleman came along. Ah, um, yeah. yeah, he's done some things. He has. Mm-hmm. He, he did it. it. So, um, sitting above Essendon is Carlton. The Cockatoos. <laughs> oh, they're the Cockatoos at this yeah. point. Yeah. Hey. Uh, they came in with 12 wins, 6 losses, 123%. Wow. So, they're, they're one game out of the four. They've got a bigger percentage. And a lot of the other... Almost all the other teams in the four. Mm. Yeah. So, what happened? What? What did well, happen? Well, well, let's get into it. Well, yeah, let's let's <laughs> do that. So, captain coached by Brighton Diggins this year. Uh, their lead goal kicker was Ken Baxter with sixty-five. Not the name we're used to hearing. In no, this position, Soapy. Soapy Valance is retired. Soapy Valance. Well, no, not retired. He's left. He's gone to oh, Williamstown. Sorry, he's in the VFA. He's gone to the Kicking. VFA. Went to Williamstown and just to spit in Carlton's eye, he kicked nine in his first game for Williamstown <laughs> this year. Um, Carlton was so confident at the start of the year of winning back-to-back flags, they contemplated erecting a second flagpole next to their premiership oh, pole. good. Uh, awaiting the next flag. That is some big dick energy, right? Yeah. That's, 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 see, I like that. That's outrageous. I, I love that. That's the Carlton of old, we know. Yeah, yeah, but no club would do that now, but I would love it if they did because... Either they do it, and that's that's a real alpha move. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Or they don't. We all get to tease them about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. And they have a laugh as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. 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 We wanted yeah. it. We went. We went a bit hard. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's that's what it should be. I, I reckon there's there's too much 
we need to be a bit more mm. if footy is entertainment go yeah. like WWE yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> call your shots yeah. yeah I think Melbourne tried didn't they they said they wanted to become the best football club oh, yeah, before you plan the new plan the new docket are you talking about this week yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> two, two flags in the next five years that's, oh, yeah. that's men's and women so it's two flags to the women and, there you go that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Daisy's back Daisy's back we'll yeah. be fine yeah. Yeah. Uh, round one playing South Melbourne miniature replica 1938 flags were handed out to uh, any Good. members of the public I love that um, however there was one flag they could not purchase which was the VFL flag that they unfurled um do you know about the unfurling of the flags back in the day? Uh, so it's not a premiership flag. So the premiership flag, yeah. So right. always always uh, unfurled at the first home game. Yeah. Do you know who, who did that? Uh, not... Well, when the Dogs did it, it was... No, uh, it was. Well, who was it when the Dogs? I, I, I know they got a whole bunch of like people who'd helped out the club over years okay. to ah. do it. So I think... Might have been oh, Susan Alberti. Okay, so, so like back so in the back, day... Yeah, there was a tradition. The, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, it was always the president's wife would always unfurl the flag. The president of the VFL's wife. No, president, the president of the club. Of the club. Oh, the club. Oh, the yeah. club, yeah. Oh, right. Why? Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 we don't know. question. My wife would just be rolling around. Well, why do I have to do this? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just care. want to be at home. Yeah. Yeah. This is Saturday afternoon. This is when he leaves me alone. Yeah. Uh, um, so the actual president was overseas on a holiday. So it was the acting president's wife who had to uh, oh, unfurl. No. And that's probably where the season went wrong. They had the wrong person unfurling the flag. And it's just the season's it's like gone Barnaby shit. Joyce being mm. in charge of <laughs> Parliament. This is not good. Yeah. <laughs> For whatever um, reason, that, McCormack, anyway. Yeah. 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 Whoever the national person so after I mean, an even first quarter... It may as well be going to be us, right? Yeah. yeah, he's in the wings there. <laughs> After an even first quarter, mm. Carlton exerted their authority on this match in round one against South Melbourne uh, to pull away and record an impressive 54-point win over the Bloods. Yes. Rover, Mick Price was superb for the Blues, kicking seven goals as Rover. As a Rover? Yeah, five of them yes. in a row as well in the third quarter. Okay. That was their highest score against South up to that point 144 nice. points Massive. what's the record for most goals in a row by a single player ah oh, good question thank you is that, is that Luke Frost I don't know no, no I don't okay. know it's a great it's question a great though. question <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a loss to Geelong was followed with strong wins over North and Footscray in the 58 point win over the Dogs Arthur Sanger kicked the only goal of his 117 game career good on him Sanger Love it uh, Round 5 was their shock loss to Hawthorne As we mentioned Round 7 The seconds were ticking down Essendon were ahead by a point The ball went out of bounds Near the Essendon goal And from the crow The crow in The throw in Carlton forced it behind Scores were then level Essendon flum, flummed The kick in Flummed I don't, That's what the report says Jack Hale surged into the ball But couldn't handle it Finally got out to Ron Sox Cooper Playing his first game of the season Soxy uh, He took a mark as the bell rang Sox Cooper Went back and let the ball loose, flying towards the goal. And it went through for a goal. The crowd rushed onto the ground uh, and Carlton celebrated a big win over Essendon by a goal. Woo! <laughs> Soxie! Uh, in, in this game, Brighton Diggins broke his hand and missed the next seven games. Oh, poor Digger. Yeah. Uh, round nine against the ladder-leading Demons. The Blues held a 13-point lead at halftime. Uh, while the club was entertaining guests in the rooms, coach Brighton Diggins addressed the players and could be heard saying don't let this Melbourne side get to you he advised play your natural game and do not try to engage them in heavy tactics this was thought of as sound advice the <laughs> 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 Blues increased their lead during the third term and held a 29 point lead into the last break winning by 5 goals 
How do you reckon his voice was? Like just, know, just do, exactly like that. Don't let them get to you, boys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Far, far more clipped, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go on, fellows. Like the Heads the high. Father figure. That 1930s radio <laughs> yeah. style. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's the news of the world. Yeah. That's the voice. You could yeah. have had an accent for all you. Dolem, get to you! <laughs> Come on! <laughs> uh, round 11 in the game against Fitzroy, which Carlton won easily. Um, a fox terrier terrorise the players by chasing them around and nipping at their heels uh, for much of the game until <laughs> until Jim Francis grabbed the pooch and placed the dog neatly over the fence lovely not the same dog that you know ripped out the guy's heart earlier well, <laughs> he's, he's a, yeah, the dog is playing on the abdomen <laughs> of the appendix yeah. uh, ironic for a do- dogs player as well we didn't really mention the irony yeah. did we mm-hmm. <laughs> were we the dogs by then yeah you were, were we, were yeah. we the saltwater men no that was a long or time the tricklers uh, the tricklers well, well the nice. tricolors oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke with an Irish accent mm, the, so. the tricklers oh that's awesome have you got into why we're red white and blue because there's uh, conflicting theories, so I'm wondering did, where you guys talk, landed on. We spoke, spoke to Arthur. Ace Arthur. Yeah, we spoke yep. to him. We did a special Bulldogs episode leading up to 1925 that we had oh, him yes, talking about all that stuff. And he did, it was, it's, the theory is a, it's a Frenchman. Yes. Due to a Frenchman. Yeah. So we're not. We're not. We're not British. Mm. We're, we're, we're European. Yeah. 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 Continental. That's yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, you want us to kick goal? Well, yeah. Maybe. Maybe later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we're losing. I surrender. That's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, play on. Uh, Beautiful. Um, they had a good win over the Cats in round thirteen, and then in between this match and the next one, they travelled to play Hawthorne in Canberra en route to Sydney. Uh, which took place in mid-July. It was a brilliant exhibition of football, Carlton defeating Hawthorne in front of a record Canberra crowd of 4,000 people at Manuka Oval, with 300 cars lining the fence. I'm not sure if one of them was uh, Menzies or not. <laughs> yeah, probably would have. Carlton then journeyed on to play Sydney, to, to play in Sydney, and they played against the New South Wales team on the SCG, with Carlton winning by 40 points. Um, finally, a ruthless Carlton hammered Essendon by 56 points in the final round of the season, but could not uh, make up enough. They, they couldn't make the finals by this point unless they killed or lost, which they didn't. Ken Baxter kicked nine goals. Um, however, their loss to Richmond the week earlier meant they'd miss finals. Yeah. Yeah. Is Ken Baxter an actor? Is there a, Ken Baxter sounds like a familiar name. It does, oh. doesn't it? Is Ken Baxter. Jenkins from Scrubs? Ken Jennings from Jeopardy? <laughs> oh, do you know what I'm thinking of? Ken Jenkins from Scrubs, his character had a dog named Baxter. And that's, oh, one, that's how my brain yeah. works. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Play on. <laughs> that's where we've gone. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully there is somebody who plays for St. Kilda with a dog called Baxter. <laughs> uh, it was my best effort. Um, flumming their way into fourth place. Flumming. <laughs> is, um, St. Kilda with um, 13 wins and five losses, 116.5%. St. Kilda. The Saints. In the, the finals. finals. Is this like the first time? No. They've made it. First time in about 10 Not years. Many. Yeah. 27 or 28. Late 20s was their oh, last time. I can look it up. It was, first yeah, one. Really this is the second time, I think. Seems. No, they've had a few. Oh, okay. So, right. coached no, and captained by the great man Ansel Clark, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and their lead goal kicker was none other than Bill Moore with forty-seven. Not his poultry, usual best. Yeah. Poultry forty-seven. Um, too high. Yeah, yeah. Too many. Too <laughs> many. Um, it was a very, very good year for St Kilda, and one that hopefully the people relished. Yep. St Kilda's last finals were twenty-nine, by the way. Oh, oh, 29. Before this, yeah. 18. Spreadsheet there that tells me. Yeah. 
okay glad yeah. you can read that yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the matrix um, <laughs> new club president was uh, old club champion Dave McNamara the big silo oh, stop it that's our nickname for him the big silo <laughs> wait, 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 why is that well <laughs> we think know. he could okay. pretty sure I, Charlie I made the name up there was a, he had a huge kick on him and he was from the Western Districts and they, they always said he could kick a ball over a silo. Oh, we, can't a find, silo. we can't find evidence of this. Sure I'm pretty sure you made it up. And I was sure it was his real nickname, but these guys are like, no, you just made it up. Yeah, yeah I'm sure did. We just always referred to him as that, though. Yeah. Um, he'd occasionally don his old jumper at training and walk around and give out advice to all the players. Yeah. He'd, every now and then he'd, uh, he'd demonstrate a place kick for them as well. Jeez, he could kick it a long way. Over um, yeah, <laughs> so Billy Brownless was just copying him yeah. with his legendary story. New recruits uh, included Pixie Coles, Kevin O'Halloran, Bill Molson, Clary Vontom, Jim Ewers, and Albert Sawley. Did you want to say anything about Clary Vontom? No, I don't have. Okay, um, sorry. Uh, round one with the backing of the president <laughs> and the captain coach, five new recruits were played in the opening game against Hawthorne. Uh, and they had a 61 point win, so it was obviously a good move. Jim Ewers uh, being the standout, kicking four goals on debut. Round four saw a very strong win over Collingwood. 37 points at Junction Oval. Round five, the rain slowed the Saints down in this game against Essendon at Windy Hill. A messy game got worse when a wild brawl broke out, seeing Arthur Rowe suspended for five weeks for his Wild brawl. Not like one of those lovely North yeah. Melbourne organised brawls. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> this is just one of those free-range organic brawls. Hey, we don't like yes. those. No. Um, <laughs> and Essendon won that game by 39 points as well. Uh, however, between round 6 and 13, St Kilda would go on an unprecedented eight-game winning streak. Yes. Breaking their 1907 record winning streak which must have been seven. Um, <laughs> this was kick-started with a win over, the, over Geelong at Junction Oval, where they always seem to beat Geelong, with Billy Moore kicking six. Now, round seven saw the Saints uh, win another pennant here, beating South Melbourne by 33. Oh, the lake, yeah. The lakeside, the lakeside pennant. pennant. The first of uh, oh, any okay. trophies two teams played against each other was South Melbourne and St Kilda. Oh, like, like as we do now, I think when the dogs play Collingwood, it's the Rob Rose yeah. trophy. So, okay, yeah. so, so a meaningless thing. Cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, round 14, Melbourne stopped St Kilda's winning, so Melbourne beat St Kilda. Um, yeah, they did. In an unlikely win. It was actually an upset because Melbourne had lost a lot of players. Um, the top team beat the fourth place team and it's an upset but Melbourne had 12 injury concerns going into this game we'll talk more about that when and we get to Melbourne and they hadn't lost a game in eight yeah yeah. Um, then losses to Collingwood Ness and then saw the Saints stumble out of the four not buying it and, <laughs> and risk, uh, risk missing the finals strong win over Geelong in Geelong saw them move back up and then in round 18 they had a 27 point win over South they went 4-0 up in the uh, Lakeside pennant South haven't even had a Smell yeah. in there. It's four premierships now to the Saints. Yeah. Um, and to, into their first final series in 10 years. Good on them. Good to see. And uh, they're not just, just kicking bags of goals or anything, but um, it, yeah, it must be just a good team. Yeah. Um, and Tim, Richmond, third place. 13 wins, five losses, 118%. Uh, so, uh, captain coached by Purse Bentley... Uh, again this year and their lead goal kicker was Jack Skinny Titus with 48 mm. yes um, another pretty good season for the Tigers here yeah just- um, one of their debutants was a person by the name of Leonard George Ablett who was the uncle of Gary Ablett stop really yeah Lenny yep Len Ablett playing for Richmond yep uh, so round one, Jack Titus kicked seven and Dick Harris six for Richmond as they defeated Melbourne by 37 points and setting up you know, the start of a good year for Richmond. 
Maybe not so much for Melbourne, but things might turn around. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Round two, Jack Titus kicked at seven goals in this game, so getting better and better in Richmond's win against Footscray at Punt Road Oval. Uh, in this game, Jack Dyer was so black and bruised from this game, the club doctor said he looked like a tattooed man. <laughs> Jeez. Um, round four was significant for the Tigers as they played their 1,000th senior premiership game, VFA and VFL. And VFL, yeah, I was going to say, okay, wow. Yeah, big day, and the Tigers were able to end the day with celebrations, uh, beating South Melbourne 108-85. to Jack Titus added another two goals, but 12 behinds. Yeah, so not a great day out for Skinny. Yeah, and they kicked 14-24, so that's... He kicked half the team's behind. Half the team's points. Ridiculous. Round six, we've got another visit by uh, Robert Menzies, the uh, Prime Minister and Carlton supporter. Yes. We know he attended an earlier game where Hawthorne defeated Carlton. This game, he came to watch the Tigers defeat Carlton at oh, Princess Park. Um, the curse of the Prime Minister? Is this a new thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. Um, so Richmond, at this point, after six rounds, was so far undefeated, and it was the best start to a season since 1920, which was a premiership year for the yeah. Tigers. Yeah. Uh, round seven, Collingwood bought them undundo, defeating Richmond at Punt Road Oval, which was their first loss for the season. A massive crowd, Charlie, of 40,000 people contributed a ground record gate takings of 1,303 pounds. Love it. Although they left the arena with broken seats and drooping fences. Oh, really? Mm. Mm. So packing that many people into the ground, obviously... Didn't do, yeah. Not great. Can't hold it. No. Uh, and also we have another instance of the umpire not hearing the three-quarter time bell. Allowing Collingwood's Ron Todd to mark and goal before the bell had See, actually again, told. I thought we'd figure this out, but obviously not. Obviously we need not. to figure this out. Yeah, electric bells, bring them in. <laughs> I say. Them in. Uh, round fourteen, uh, uh, Tigers easily beat Essendon, but in this game, an Essendon official actually entered the Richmond room at halftime and accused the Tigers of using illegal boot studs. What were these? Maybe they're, sh- illegal they're boot sharper studs. than they're supposed to be. I don't know what 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 constitutes an illegal boot stud. I guess sharp, because they all, the umpire always runs their hands up and down the boot yeah. studs, so it must have been too sharp. Small knives. Around <laughs> uh, sixteen, Richmond defeat North Melbourne at North, but the last quarter of the game is quite spiteful. We talked about how the crowd invaded the uh, pitch after the game. Yeah. The mob overwhelming the police. Um, but we did also talk about Skinny Titus having time to sign autographs. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the yeah. So, so it wasn't too bad. I mean, whose side of the story do we believe yeah. here? Well, probably North, North have got thugs as supporters, yeah. so we... Yeah. We believe them. Yeah. Uh, round 17, a capacity crowd of another 40,000 watched Richmond defeat Carlton at Punt Road Oval. Uh, the gates were closed at 2.30pm with thousands locked out. The crush was so great that Carlton's committee was forced to use the trapdoor in the roof of the players' race to get from the rooms to their allotted seats. That's unbelievable. Yeah, 39-point win there to Richmond over Carlton. Um, setting up a bit of a showdown with Collingwood in round 18, the winner getting the double chance. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, so in this game, second place One Collingwood. One of the only teams to beat them in the, uh, in the season as yeah. well. So. Um, in, so in this game, Collingwood defeated Richmond by 32 points at Victoria Park. Um, and therefore taking the double chance second spot. Which moves us on to, Kaz. And runners-up in second place, Collingwood. 15 wins, 3 losses, 122%. The Magpies. Uh, captained by Harry Collier. Coached by... Jock Could McHale. you believe it? Jock McHale. Mm. Their lead goal kicker was Ron Todd with 121. Uh, interestingly, and we'll hear more about this um, Later this year, with Ron Todd leading the league's goal kicking, makes it 22 out of the 43 years of the VFL that someone from Collingwood 
has won the goal kicking. Good stat. So more than half. Wow, yeah. Dick but Lee, Gordon Coventry, Ron Todd. This will be the last one that they win Surely for 30 years. It's a dynasty, I would have thought. It's a tradition. Yeah. A um, bit of turmoil at Collingwood oh, this season sh- as well. I should also say BNF was Marcus Whelan, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, a bit of t- turmoil, though, at Collingwood in the off-season. Yes. A um, bit of a rift that had always been there between uh, well, Hugh Thomas and Jock McHale. Yeah, so that had grown over over some time, obviously. I think in the beginning they were actually quite close and that they were sort of coming up. But it, it was an interesting story. From, and we learn a lot more of it from the Kill for Collingwood book. Yeah, Richard Stremski's Richard Stremski's awesome book, which is history. fantastic. Um, that Jock, I think had grown a bit angry or, or sort of oh, he got his nose out of joint by a few of his champions wanting um, to play in the se- in the reserves rather than the seniors and also at different cr- points. crediting their their um success and their skills to um the seconds coach rather than jock himself mm. as well so a few things happen and tim you know you've got more information oh no mine. no you're, you're pretty much yeah. right on so um there was a real push after the 30 38 premiership loss uh, to get rid of him, yeah, um, and and to change that because Jock wanted more control, I guess, and felt like they'd lost control of that situation. Yeah, and there were things quite spiteful things like they the um, committee found out that some of the money that was going towards them um, paying the seconds was actually going to get put towards something for Hugh um, Hugh's a testimonial. a testimonial, and they were they scrapped that. They're like, that's not happening. So there was a bit of ba- bad blood in the end mm, that got the, rid of him. So the committee were able to get him out, weren't they? Yes, and they pretty much voted him out. Yeah, and he left, and, and he left, and I guess you could put it a bit of a curse because there was. For the first time in a long time, Collingwood would be without success. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. It just goes to show maybe uh, Jock might have been a little bit egotistical there. Absolutely. Yeah, worked away from him. Um, another interesting thing about the off-season was um, Marcus Boyle, who had been a really strong player in the finals, probably their best player in the, the Carlton Grand Final in 38. He couldn't be found for weeks leading into the preseason. Really? No one knew where he was. And it turned out he'd actually worked out of his job, moved to South Australia and signed with Glenelg. Stop it, without even mentioning it to anyone. Yep, and Collingwood kind of found out about this through the media. Um, and so, of course, they refused him a clearance and he had to sit out for a whole year. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a strange thing to do, isn't mm. it, really? Yeah. So, um, what we'll see, is this This is kind of the first of three big players who will leave the club across the next three years. Yeah, okay. He, him being the first one. Um, we've also got Keith Stackpole, who left the club for Fitzroy. Yep. As well. Um, so, round one, they played Geelong, and the teams were very even for the first three quarters of the game until the final 20 minutes when the Pies, led by Ron Todd, who kicked eight for the day, slammed on seven goals to take a five-goal win. Yeah, wow. Just devastating fashion. Collingwood was still able to just do that in yep. games. Just put the accelerator on. Round two, Ron Todd again had a day out with 10 goals against South Melbourne to win by 39 points. Uh, round four was their first loss of the year to St Kilda. Uh, and then they, they kind of went on a good winning streak here. Round eight, they faced arch enemies Carlton at Victoria Park. And surprise, surprise, a massive brawl broke out behind one of the goal fans. <laughs> uh, spectator was kicked in the face and the melee created a crush and the fence collapsed and people spilled everywhere. Uh, the spillage was cleared and Collingwood went on to win the game by 39 points, Ron Todd kicking seven. Jesus, he's just kicking bags, isn't he, big Ron? Yeah, and I love Collingwood-Carlton games. This is the real rivalry. Isn't it? Like, we talk about it now, it's a farce. No, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, everything's so sterilised now, yeah. but this is, yeah, this is where it began. Yeah, well, this is the continuation of it. Yeah. 1910s really Yeah, began. but the, like, this is, yeah, the reality of, of, of it. Mm. Actual fights. 
Uh, so going into round 10, they'd lost one game. And so they had a big clash with the Demons at the MCG. Demons were on top at this stage. Um, the date also clashed with the state game. So the Pies were without uh, Ron Todd and Jack Regan and Jack Knight. Uh, Melbourne were without some players as yeah. well. However, the Pies were absolutely embarrassed by a mighty Demons. Throttled. Absolutely um, throttled. But we'll talk a bit more about that when we get to the Demons because it's more of a, a Demons uplifting story than it a certainly Collingwood is. sad story. <laughs> Uh, round 11, unfortunately, they bounced back to beat Essendon by 57 points uh, with the whole team playing tight football. I mean, to be fair to Collingwood, though, to, to try and replace a guy that's going to kick 120 goals, the best fullback in the entire game. Mm. Like, it's, yeah, it's they're, whole, they're huge holes to fill. No one can really do it. No. So. Um, and then following around 12, lost to Geelong. The Pies won their final five games with the game against Richmond in round 17, deciding second spot, as we said. Um, and as also we talked about the rain providing, well, creating a week off. Yes. Uh, so it gave a bit of a rest to the players as well. They came out, um, they had 10 scoring shots to one in the first quarter and just took the game from there. 29-point uh, lead, Richmond could never quite catch up. And so Collingwood won second spot on the ladder and a double chance. Now there's an idea, Timmy. How's this? What if instead of the bye after the final round, what if you had the bye before the final round currently? Interesting. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, why? Why would it the gives, clubs who can't make finals though? Why would you give them just a week to kind of pedal around and just go? Well, well, we're almost on holidays, but not quite. Well, I mean, like, but but at least then everyone's getting a week, but then they're coming back, and then you know, so you're not having two weeks off in a like. Yeah. You're not having playing one out of three weeks. You're going to play two out of four. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Just putting it out there. Okay. Okay. So, first place, the Mighty D's Melbourne with 15 wins and three losses. Can you believe it? The Red Demons. That's right. So, you're, you're the that. Red Demons. The Red Demons yeah. at this stage. Right. For, for what? Uh, it's not very long. Well, they were kind so of I, nicknamed the Red Demons because of just how good they were this season. That's it was right. one of those red hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, I didn't. Yeah. That'd be good if they, it was like a mood ring. They changed the colour of the Demons. <laughs> the, green de- the purple Demons. Because yeah. they were kind of the red legs as well. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was a giant demon up on the change room wall. That's what I always think of. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, a captain by Alan LaFontaine, coached by Frank Checker Hughes. Mm. Secretary Percy Page. I'm going to go through the whole club Keep reading. this time. This is fantastic. <laughs> Lead goal kicker Norm Smith with 54. Uh, BNF was Jack Mueller. So, uh, first of all, we've got a bit of a poem here uh, written by J.O. Smith that we'll hear. There are magpies singing daily in the leafy glades of wood where the clicker clicks so gaily in an optimistic mood. For they're very sanguine, very, that the flag of this year's fight will float o'er the banks of the merry crossed with bars of black and white. And they hug the sweet illusion that if they treat us rough, we'll crumple in confusion full of funk and cry enough. When they fly out in the morning and at eve wing back again, with contempt the foe they're scorning as they warble their refrain. They're skiting like the dickens, but herein lies the catch. It's never count your chickens till the birds begin to hatch. We have got a strong impression that the boys in red and blue have learnt a useful lesson and they've learnt it most from you. There's a little score to settle that has long been overdue. You have got us on our medal and we'll square accounts with you. You'll get it good and willing from the centres, forwards and backs in that spot so good for killing where the chicken got the axe. What a ripper. Yeah. 
delightful. Again, Where the chicken got the axe, it's a great final line. Mm. Oh, so it's a real one. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, cool. Actual, all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. Ra- <laughs> it's real history. <laughs> so had a bit of a loss in round one, five goal defeat to Richmond. Um, Melbourne finally got going with nine goals in the second half, but the yep. damage was already done. They lost that by thirty-seven points, but. That really kick-started their season after that. Um, round two at Windy Hill. Um, game turned on... <laughs> Who did they play there? I can't remember. <laughs> game turned on GWS. its head in the second quarter. Um, Redlegs kicked seven goals to one in that second, including the last six, to take a comfortable lead. However, Essendon then stole back the momentum with eight goals in the third quarter to actually have a one-goal lead going into the final term. But it was Melbourne who fell over the line thanks to three last-quarter goals to LB Rudder. <laughs> Good man. Mm-hmm. Um, Good round five, one. Melbourne actually played their last-ever game at Cryo Oval. You mean down in Geelong? Yes. <laughs> the last game they ever played at Cryo Oval. I, I have a question. <laughs> they just, yes. Why did they play their first ever uh, game at Cryo Oval? I... Th- I- <laughs> <laughs> um, they further strengthened their position with a four straight victory so by 16 points suddenly Port playing in Shanghai is not the dumbest thing <laughs> <ever. laughs> um, they battled through greasy conditions and heavy ground to win courtesy of an advantage in the air and the ruck yes round six at the MCG against South it was strange that South even managed to keep the loss to only 107 points considering South were 11 goals behind at half time um and when they were reduced to 17 men through injury in the third quarter, Melbourne looked like they were going to absolutely demolish this team. Um, but the damage was done and Melbourne kind of eased off for a fifth straight win in that game. Beams kicked five, Baggett four, and Mueller three. Good times. Round 10 was the match that Melbourne had probably been waiting for, especially going into that poem, game against Collingwood. Oh, yes. Both teams were missing a few players for state representation. Uh, and neither team had a particularly good first half in this game. However... Um, Melbourne settled into this game and in the second half they exploited their superior power and pace to slam on six third quarter goals to nil to open up a winning lead. Premiership quarter. They then added another eight in the final term, their ninth consecutive score of over 100 points. Record. Uh, And they ran away in this game. It was the biggest win against Collingwood. And what was the final margin, Charlie? In the... In the win against Collingwood? Melbourne Collingwood game... uh the grand final Ex- preview. Yes. Yeah, it was Ex- 90, 94 points. Collingwood's greatest ever loss at this point. Uh, in this Jeez, game, Norm Smith, nice. kick, Norm Skiff, <laughs> Smith kicked six, Brassy, Beams, and Mueller three each. Now, round 11, you'd think coming off a, a big win against Collingwood, they'd be full of energy and they'd, they'd want to keep smashing it. They, they, look, they won. They beat Hawthorne by two points. Yeah, not the Ds. Yeah, no. Not, yeah. <laughs> Only scoring uh, seven goals, 12-54, so they run of 100 points. Game, scores has, has ended well jolly good about <laughs> time um, in this game Ray Wartman injured himself and was hobbling around the forward line but he was the one who got the winning goal in the last couple of minutes uh, Wally Locke was best for, for Melbourne uh, and Ron Barassi was actually reported for striking and suspended for four games this is senior obviously yes, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he hung for around a, for a while yeah, for mm. a second I thought he was like the mayor in Buffy just <laughs> this immortal <laughs> being punishing <laughs> <laughs> uh, himself <laughs> Now, round 14, Melbourne went to Junction Oval as the underdogs, even though they are on top of the ladder, um, because they had no less than 12 players under an injury cloud. What cloud? What was wrong with it? Uh, coronavirus? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. coronavirus. coronavirus. This just sounds like pro-D's yeah, media that, hype. Yeah. Uh, sounds good to me. Their roving I'll stocks were down to a skeleton staff, and they were unable to name a side until 15 minutes before the first bounce. But with Rowley Fisher playing through injury, the Demons were ragged and nevertheless pulled off a shock win by four goals. 
champion teams champion teams now Melbourne won their last four games of the season to finish on top although they only just beat Wooden Spoonbound South Melbourne by four points in round 17 but finishing on top double chance finals here we come that's it finals here we come so yeah a couple of uh, couple of records broken there as Timmy you mentioned uh, nine 100 point scores in a row too high scoring, too many goals, Absolutely. sick of it, it's pathetic. It's an indictment on the game. Uh, also broke Collingwood's record of 13 games over 100 points um, in, in a season. season. With, we yeah. did it 15 times, so every time, I think, I'm assuming we won, we kicked over, oh, almost. Yeah, mm. That's what they wins. say, once you get to 100 points. That's it, first team good. to 100 wins, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the thing. Also, just another little fun fact and a, and a preview for the future. Uh... Fred Fanning didn't quite make the first this year. We uh, we might know Fred Fanning's name. Yes. Uh, but in the seconds, he kicked a record 105.5-metre drop kick. Did he, though? I thought you were going to say 105 goals in a game. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Unbelievable, right? Against Gold Coast. Yeah. So, really. <laughs> so 60. No. <laughs> Um, now, quickly, let's cross to Big Red to hear about what's happening around this great country of ours. Big Red's local footy roundup for your state and suburban football action. Sinking our teeth into grassroots football. Hi all. Welcome to another episode of Big Red's Roundup. To Perth. And the winner of the Waffle Premiership this year was Claremont. Going back to back, defeating East Fremantle. Taking out the Sandover medal for the best and fairest this year was Hayden Bunton Senior. And winning the Bernie Naylor medal for the most goals was Bert Gook from Perth with 102 goals. To South Australia now. And the winner of the premiership was Port Adelaide defeating West Torrens with a hefty crowd of onlookers doing what they do best. The McGarry medal was won by Jeff Pash from North Adelaide and Ray MacArthur from West Adelaide. The leading goal kicker was Ken Farmer for the 10th time with 113 goals. In the VFA now, in what is known as the throw pass era, the Premiers were none other than Williamstown, beating Paran. In a classic grand final, league best and fairests were won by Pat Hartnett from Brighton. The leading goal kicker was George Hawkins with 164 goals. Other Premiers around the country included... North Hobart and Golden Point. That's another exciting year of football around Australia. Remember, kick straight. Thanks, Murph. And now we'll cross to Moz to hear about the Brownlow Download. Who cannot wait? The Brownlow Download with Moz. Pretty short one today from me, folks. The winner this year was Marcus Whelan. He was a Collingwood Rover and he debuted in 1933. When he first debuted, he really struggled to get selected for many games. They didn't think too much of him, but clearly by 1939, he was a key player for Collingwood. Um, He was 25 when he won the award and personality-wise, he was said to have been very quiet, but very well-loved. Um, Whelan worked at Carlton and United Breweries in Melbourne alongside his coach, Jock McHale. Mm -hmm. He was 173 centimetres tall and 67 kilograms, but he had an outstanding ability to take humongous marks. He could outmark much, much, much taller opponents. 
He gathered 12 Brownlow votes in 1938 and a whopping 23 votes in 1939. 23 votes was enough to secure him the win. Um, Whelan's weird led the Argus's football writer Percy Taylor to say, Marcus Whelan takes his place among those champions whose names appear as winner of the Brownlow medal, the Victoria Cross of Victorian football. Not only Collingwood supporters, but followers of every club have no quarrel with the choice. Rather, it is applauded everywhere. Footscray's Harry Hickey came in second, finishing with 20 votes. Uh, Hickey had won the best and fairest for his club that season, and good old Dick Reynolds finished third with 19 votes. Jack Dyer, who finished fourth to Whelan in 1939, also maintained the Collingwood player was the best sentiment I've ever seen, while old boy of the Argus called him a modern-day champion. Uh, very sadly and very topically, Marcus's career was disrupted by the war. He signed up in 1942 and missed three seasons of the VFL. He came back to play upon returning home, but retired from professional football after only six games in 1947. He then continued to play in the Mornington Peninsula League and ran a successful hotel business. And there you go. That is Marcus Whelan. No relation to Matthew Whelan of Melbourne Demons. <laughs> um, but he did have a son, Shane, who played in the 60s, I think 67 to 69. There you go. Thanks, Moz. Finals. It's time for the finals. Love the finals. Um, and the good one this year, um, we've got three new teams. Which I love. Yeah. And the fact that St Kilda's in there, I really enjoy. Yep. Uh, it's great. Um, so Richmond, St Kilda and Melbourne all not playing finals in 38. Yeah. But we'll see what happens here. So the first semi, uh, St Kilda-Richmond mm-hmm. on uh, the 9th of September. Uh, 51,411 people at the G there. Yep. And um, would you believe it? St Kilda just came out and uh, put them to the sword really a little bit. did. And the Saints were missing Lowry and O'Halloran, uh, but were, went in confident despite only three players having finals experience. Yeah, well, yeah. Only one of them playing for the Saints in Billy Moore. Yeah. Who played finals in his first year. In his first year. Um, I read also the Saints players all received a head massage before the game. Oh, good. That's, yeah, just get the blood flowing. Right of mind. <laughs> um, the Saints ruckman Roy Fountain really outshone Jack Dyer in the ruck duel, dominating everywhere he went and delivering the ball regularly to Rover Alan Killigrew, who kicked three goals. Uh, as the bell rang, the Saints won their first final in 26 years. That is... That's... The bell. That's massive. Yeah. That's outrageous. So 1913. Yeah, to 39. When they, when they made the grand final and lost on a replay. So... In the time it's taken between St. Uh, between St Kilda's finals, Collingwood have won how many flags? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, three. One, two, nine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so running out 30-point winners, 10-12-72 to Richmond, 6-6-42. Knocking those Tigers out. Absolutely. Um, and the second semi-final? Second semi-final, Melbourne Collingwood for the third time so far this year. And... Uh, Melbourne walking into this game reasonably confident, although, as we've just mentioned, this is a time when both teams are at full full, full strength. Yeah, no so, excuses. No excuses. Magpie struck the first blow here. They yeah. won the coin toss. Ah. They got to pick the, uh, the home rooms while the Demons had the unfamiliar visitor change rooms. At the MCG? Yeah. That's just wrong. However, the away rooms were decorated by enthusiastic supporters to give them a home feeling. I like that. What, Chesterfields? Yeah, obviously. Smoking jackets? <laughs> yeah. Good. Okay. Rich mahogany. Um, <laughs> very close in the first quarter. Collingwood actually got out 
to a bit of a lead by the by the main break in the middle, uh, leading seven ten. Very inaccurate to five nine. Also very inaccurate. Let's just pedal back to the first quarter. Ooh, yeah, Melbourne kicked three goals for. All, all three by Norm Smith. Ah, he's a good man. He's a good starter. He wouldn't kick any more, though, as Collingwood yeah. started. They, they put defenders on him because he was, he was shooting away. Well, that's away, it, yeah. yeah. And that opened up the uh, field for the for Mueller to, to start kicking some Absolutely. as well. Uh, so very close. Yeah, only one point in at the quarter. But then uh, second half, Melbourne started to come good and ended up winning by 14 points, 15-14, mm. 104 to 12-18-90. A fiery speech by Checker Hughes... Uh, Got them off to sort of a start, hot start in the second half, led by Mueller, Wartman, and Les Jones, and they slammed on ten goals to five to take the game, as you said. Yeah. In this game as well, Ron Todd kicked a hundred goal, his hundredth goal for the season. Huge, huge. Uh, which then sets up an unlikely preliminary final. Isn't it Collingwood St Kilda in front of sixty, almost sixty-seven thousand, sixty-six eight four eight mm. on the twenty-third of September? What a ripper of a first quarter! Six goals apiece. Yeah, huge. And then a very high-scoring game. This one. I it mean, was. not they. This is a high-scoring year, of course. Um, and then Collingwood managed to inch. Eke out a lead, going two goals up by the, yeah. by the half. Yeah, yeah. And just before halftime, Clary Vontom, who had kicked three goals for St Kilda, was knocked out heavily by Albert Collier, the old hitman. The enforcer, yeah. yeah. And as the game wore on, St Kilda had lots of opportunities to win, but they they were the fastest side and were playing some brilliant football, but they made mistakes because they were inexperienced in yep. finals. Yeah. Every time they every time they seemed to take command of the game, someone dropped the mark or fumbled a handle. Yeah, and, and just lost momentum. Collingwood just didn't do. Yeah. So even at three quarter time, there was only a goal in it, but then um, Collingwood again just put the put the accelerator on and uh, managed to run out five goal winners, twenty nine points, uh, 2014, 134 to fifteen fifteen one hundred and five. Unfortunately, ending St Kilda's mm. run. Um, in what some would say was the best side they'd fielded for a long time and the best side they would yeah. field for a long Interestingly time. Interestingly enough, Jack Lowry of St Kilda was named best on ground despite Todd kicking 11 goals for the game because um, he outplayed Brownlow medalist Marcus Whelan. There you go. Um, and fun fact, in the three games Ron Todd played against St Kilda, he kicked a total of 29 goals this season. <laughs> 9, 9 and 11. <laughs> That's outrageous. <laughs> Isn't it? Oh my gosh. Which uh, then takes us to the big dance. The grand final. For the fourth time this year, Melbourne and Collingwood facing off in front of 78,110 people at 2.50pm on the 30th of September. And uh, let's uh, speak to the, the main man himself. All right, just before we get to our interview with the grand final captain, we have a poem that we found in the grand final record. Kaz, can you read that for us, please? The Gurdon. They are face to face in the final fight. They have gallantly played the game. By valiant deeds they have won the right and their victories number the same. It makes one think of the days of old when knights in armour bright, with plumbed crest and lance in rest, awaited the shock of the fight. The bravest and best they are proudly put in both courage and strength they trust to counter the rush of the foemen brave and make them bite the dust. And who shall say when the victor kneels at the feet of his lady true, will the guerdon be black with bars of white or will it be red and blue? No one can tell till the final bell, but this the victor will know as he licks his wounds and hears the cheers, he has vanquished a mighty foe. 
Yeah, all right. Let's boot up that Wayback When machine. Yes, let's do it. Let's go speak to Alan. Oh, Alan, congratulations on the win. Oh, thanks, team. Very excited to be talking with you here today. Yes, forgive my co-host. He doesn't speak like a 1930s journalist, but no more excited than we are here, mate. Tell us how you're feeling. Look, honestly, don't know how to answer. I'm unbelievably excited and happy for all the guys. It's been a huge couple of years building up to this, but Checker and the boys have always had faith that we were going to get here. Uh, it's been a little bit of a labour, though, hasn't it? Yeah, look, but at the st- since the start of 34, when I came in with uh, Smithy, uh, Baggett and Mueller, and before that, obviously, Checker took over, he really so- showed- sowed the seeds. Uh, we trusted him in the game plan, and we knew we were coming up on something great. Yes, but it didn't look like that right at the start. That big loss to Richmond round one, though, did it, Alan? Uh, not really, did it? Uh, but we learned from that and won the next seven on a trot. So not overall a bad start, I would say. Uh, then the big test came a few weeks later against Collingwood, uh, your perennial enemy. Uh, how did you guys feel going into that game? We felt great. Uh, they were missing a couple of important players, but the way we played that day, I don't know if it would have made any difference if they were there. Uh, great confidence builder to beat such a great team by a good margin. Do you think the new holding the ball rule had any effect on you guys this season? It was obviously brought in to nullify the Bulldogs, but uh, did it help you at all? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I think it fitted into our game plan very nicely. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> we were all about trying to move the ball cleanly, quickly, and not just run through and see what would happen. So the guys that did it were in for a bit of a shock, just like those boys down in Footscray. Uh, I know lots of people still aren't sure about it, but I think it's a great thing to make our game a little bit faster. Well said, Alan. I, I, for one, agree with you. Great, thanks. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> now on to the finals. In the semi, you came up against Collingwood again. They were full side this time. How are you feeling about this? Confident. Look, we were a bit shocked by the outbreak of the war, but we tried to focus on the game ahead and think about that later. Uh, we knew we'd done uh, what we'd done to them during the season, so we just needed to focus a little more on Ron Todd. Uh, but we also just let our forward line do what it does. Uh, Smithy's just so unselfish and a great leader up forward for us. It's amazing he can kick as many goals as he does while giving away so many to other players. Uh, speaking of shutting down Ron Todd, young Locke was suspended for his tactics on shutting him down in this game. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Look, it's a bit contentious that. I don't want to talk about it too much, but I will say that Locke always plays hard and does play a very physical game. Just dwelling on Collingwood a lot here. After Collingwood beat St Kilda in the prelim and knowing Jock McHale's ability to change a game plan after a loss, how were you feeling? Uh, look, well, it was interesting. I, do, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I was both confident and a little bit worried at the same time. We played very contrasting styles of football, Collingwood and Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne, we've been long and direct all year, really using our key position players. We're calling what a big on chipping the ball around and, and handballing. Uh, Checker gave us the advice to keep our heads cool and uh, once Collingwood started to handball, meet the player with shirt front football. We felt good about that plan. Uh, but it didn't start out that way, did it, Alan? Um, I think Ron Todd was able to kick three goals two in the first quarter, giving them an 18-point lead going into that first break. Yeah, but we, we settled in the second and managed to break up their momentum and um, when umpire Coward went down with a dislocated elbow, the break in the game really put them off. I think uh, even though it cost us a goal, it worked in our favour. Yes, it was an interesting one. Percy Beam's goal disallowed because the umpire didn't give it the all clear. I'm surprised the change of umpires didn't affect you more than them. Well, we managed to hold on well. 
Um, that's an understatement, Alan. So the Red Demons managed to kick 12 of the next 19 goals and go into the last break with a 17-point lead. Uh, and it was all good from there, fellas. Very happy with our last quarter effort of six goals to one, putting us back on top. With the largest grand final score ever, no less. Really? Well, that makes it even better. So, Alan, after all that, uh, who do you think were the best on ground today? Uh, look, of course it was a real team effort, but I've got to say Percy Beams was outstanding out there for us today. With four goals, really five, and at least 20 touches, he never gave up until the final, final siren. Got to say, though, there wasn't a lot of daylight between Albie Rodder, Frank Roberts and Sid Anderson. And I have to mention um, Jack Mueller as well. He was definitely our most consistent man throughout the entire final series. Uh, I also have to mention Norm Smith, of course. He may not have been that accurate in front of goal today, but his influence up forward cannot be discounted. I know it can be hard for you. hard to pick, so thanks for that, Alan. Uh, what's the plan for the rest of the night? I think we'll keep it pretty low-key tonight. Uh, we're heading to the Australia Hotel for a bit of dinner, and we'll see what happens from there. Well, enjoy it, Alan. Thoroughly deserved. Hope we speak again. Thanks, team. Pleasure to chat. Oh, what a win. Thank you, Alan. Um, so, very quickly, some stats. Melbourne's goal kickers. We've got Percy Beams, four. LB Rodder, four. Les Jones with three. Harold Ball, two. Mueller, two. Truscott, two. Barassi, one. Sorry, Barassi, none. Baggett, one. Fontaine, one. Norm Smith, one. Ray Wartman, one. What really? a spread. Yeah, absolutely. Collingwood, we've got Ron Todd with six. Spothergill with three. Knight with two. And Balfour, Doherty, McRae, one each. And I can't help myself. I've got to say as well, Smith only kicking one doesn't mean that he did nothing. That was his... He was a decoy. He was a dummy. He was the most. He was the best forward in the league. Well, he's not I've named among say. the best here. We've got Beams, Roberts, Anderson, Rodder, Truscott and Wharton yeah. is the best. Yes. And Beams with best on ground. Yeah, so, by far. With for the really, as we just heard in the interview, really five goals. Should have been five. Mm. Um, I've got two fun facts for you as well about this. Okay, bring it on. Jock McHale's last ever grand final. Wow. And it's the third year in a row that Collingwood have lost to the team that finished fifth the year before. <laughs> that is, that's very swampy of you, that mm, one. It is. It's <laughs> a good way to describe it, swampy. <laughs> I like it. All right, some retirements from the 1939 season. We have Martin Bolger. Of oh. Richmond, 185 games, two flags. One of those three yeah, premier defenders, defenders in Richmond yeah. who pretty much won them two flags, yeah. I would argue. Uh, Dinny Ryan, Fitzroy's Brownlow medalist, 70 games, retiring at just 23. Wow. Ron Todd. This is a big controversial <laughs> yes. one from Collingwood. Only 79 games, uh, 76 games, 327 goals. That's 4.3 goals a game. Huge. Um, this is an incredibly controversial Defection. So he didn't retire. He defected to the VFA. Yes. We'll hear more about this in the 1940 episode. Yeah, but he's retired. He's dead to it. <laughs> to Collingwood. Yes, yeah. he is. Uh, Peter Revel of South Melbourne and Fitzroy, uh, 178 games, including the 1933 flag with South Melbourne, and finally umpire Bill Blackburn, 190 games, 14 finals, including three grand finals, including the one the one we've just, we've just done. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that brings us to the end of the show. Should we quickly do a wrap-up of Please. things? Okay. What so have we learned? The 30, what have we learned? <laughs> what can we put into the yeah. game now? Who won the premiership in 39? Melbourne. It was Melbourne. It was. Against Collingwood. And that is still Melbourne v Collingwood, the most common combination of teams in a grand final. There you go. Is that right? Well, second awesome. time it's happened. Second time, point. and it's going to happen a Everyone. lot more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. That's um, a great stat. Brownlow medalist. 
the Brownlow medalist was Marcus Whelan of Collingwood Correct. with 23. Leading goal kicker. Leading goal kicker, Ron Todd. 98 goals. Yeah, 121 nice. after the final series. Excellent. Oh. Uh, wooden Spurs were South Melbourne. Oh. Yeah. The Argus's player of the year. Oh, it was a tie. It was a tie. Ooh. Jack Dyer of Richmond and Dick Reynolds of Essendon. We got something. Mm. Well, not a wasted year. Huh? And the second premiership was won by? Melbourne. Melbourne. Again. Oh. Again. 22-12-144 defeated Richmond 17-13. The highest score was uh, Carlton with 24 goals, 15-159. Um, big. It was. Now, Kazman. Yep. And you can help with this as well, Danny. Sure. Best name of the oh. season. Oh, it's got to be Buttsworth. <laughs> um, now, yep. we, c- we can go with Ron Ran, our carryover champ. Ron Rand, it's North a great name. <laughs> <laughs> um, or we've got Tom Tribe, Claude Curtin, Pixie Coles at St Kilda, Wally Buttsworth or Ernie Coward? Wally Buttsworth. Okay, yeah, can't say no to the competition. But that's Wally right. Buttsworth. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Wally Buttsworth. Wally Buttsworth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's too Perfect. good. Fantastic. Um, wow. Well, that brings us to the end. Danny, thank you so much for giving up your time and coming on today. We really appreciate oh, you thank you. coming. It's great fun. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll come back for when the dogs have a good season. Oh, I won't see you again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you're so, that was so awesome. Thanks for the yeah, great facts amazing. of your research, by the way. So, yes, yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, yeah. No, follow Andrew Gigatch on, uh, on Twitter. <laughs> and come to my comedy festival show, A Day yes. at Chernobyl, the true story about how on my honeymoon, me and my wife went to Chernobyl. Nice. <laughs> Amazing. And do you know like, have the Definitely. dates and everything yeah, set? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the last two weeks of comedy festival at Big Bob, which is on Burke Street. It's a new venue. Oh, Just nice. go to the comedy festival yeah. website. Yeah, and you'll find uh, it there. Fantastic. Buy tickets and all of that. Yep. Yeah, get out there and have a great night. I want to get one of these stubby holders. Me too. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, awesome. they came to play back for season 2020? Yeah, stay tuned yep yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, if, if you ever want to do like a, a merge show we could do They Came to Play Kick to Kick oh yeah, 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 yeah it works nicely um, and I feel a bit bad for Limo now because we've had Tess and now we've had you on he's doing fine so yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're both waiting to find out what jobs we've got for this uh, men's footy season so yeah, uh, yeah he, he may have a lot of time on his hands <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're at some very poor seasons for Hawthorne as well so it's oh, probably great. a better time to get him on I'd like to be on for those as well <laughs> yeah, yeah, just kick him while he's down yeah. beautiful oh man thanks for your time like, yeah, really so great um yeah. um yeah and please keep on listening and tell your mates about us yep it's i mean especially melbourne mates because it's a great time yeah if you're a melbourne supporter if you know, <laughs> a, Mel- if you know a long-suffering melbourne supporter let him know there's not a or single her. one of us that's not a long-suffering <laughs> okay. well the stage. new ones the ones who have yeah. just been born True. they will True. feel they will feel joy for a bit well no they don't feel joy they will feel slightly less pain for yeah, a yeah exactly <laughs> they're worrying it's, about their negative it hearing dull, it dulls the pain it dulls the pain for a minute uh but until next time hooroo To find out more about the Kick to Kick team and the sources we use, visit our website www.kicktokickpodcast.com. You can contact us via email at kicktokickpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram under at kicktokickpod. Thanks so much for listening.